You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Hello everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Today on the show, we're going to talk about my favorite albums of 2020. My favorite Western albums deserve some love too, so I will talk about them, my favorite albums in English, as well as elaborate on my picks for the top 20 K-pop albums of the year in a bunch of honorable mentions. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. Number 20. A tie between Twice's More and More and Eyes Wide Open albums. It was a very cool partner set of albums that was a new thing from Twice. Not just did they explore a lot of new mature content on the album itself and through the music videos, but also just a new fresh concept for them because Twice is known for their their big hits. Every single of theirs sounds like a one-hit wonder type of hit, meaning that it would be the song they would be known for, but then every song becomes that catchy. And so they're known for their singles, but for them to create full bodies of work this year that went along with each other storyline-wise was a new a new cool twist from them in their catalog. So it felt like a cool defining year for Twice where they really tried to redefine themselves in a way that was still catchy and signature Twice. The standout tracks I would like to give shoutouts to are from More and More, the song Make Me Go, which showed a new unique side of them and is just such a well done song and it is so catchy and deserves a lot more love. I also want to give a shout out to Handle It, which explored break the concept of a breakup and that's in a relatively new concept for Twice to really uh, elaborate about their feelings on in a song. Queen is a song about just coming as you are. That's from the Eyes Wide Open album, and it is naturally a bop. Up No More is a great song for fellow insomniacs to relate to. And Say Something is a song that Mina said we should think about when visualizing a romantic city. That's kind of the vibe they were going for. So judge for yourself by listening to that song. But I love when a certain mood is supposed to be set by a song. And that just shows the power of music. Number 19, Hwasa with Maria. She did not lose her trademark confidence and bold stage presence in the videos for that and in her performances of the single Maria, but at the same time she did show a softer, more sensitive side of herself, which I really liked, especially because this was her big first solo EP. And I love the message of the single Maria from that album, where she's saying, you know, if you want to see me cry here, here are your tears, whatever, I don't need your pity, I'm beautiful as I am, etc. And she's basically writing a letter to herself, her birth name is Maria, so... Also, I want to give a shout-out to the track, Kidding, that is the best B-side. Number 18, TXT with Minisode 1, Blue Hour. That I love just because it allowed me to use my Something Wicked This Way Comes uh, reference in theorizing about their whole storyline and everything. Go to the TXT-themed episode for more on that. Shameless plug for that episode that I'm very proud of where I do a lot of theorizing. Anyway... Aside from allowing me to just spiral with my theories, I love this album because it bottles up all of the energy that TXT always brings to their performances and their songs in just an unparalleled way compared to some of their other releases, frankly. I I like to say that if 
a magic trick had a song to go with it. If the word magic had a song that it provoked instantly, it would be a TXT song. It is just this youthful, magical, magical in the, like, a, a Disney magic sense or a Houdini magic sense. I don't know, but, like, a literal magic sense that comes out of the music. Number 17, Dawn with Dawn Diddy Dawn. I already talked about that. Number 16, Eighties with Zero Fever Part 1. It starts out with a diary entry, which I found a really unique monologue to set the tone for the whole album. And then it proceeds to have these anthems like Fever and Inception that are... They embrace this youthful, adventurous spirit that Eighties' whole concept is all about. But it does end on a more sentimental note with One Day at a Time, which is actually their first English-only song, and it has this nice message about just keeping your chin up and how we will reunite someday. Very relevant to the present moment. Number 15, Super M with Super 1. A great mix of high-energy songs and more chill songs. If you just want to chill out, definitely check out Wish You Were Here. If you want a song that is just perfect for the moment, when you're just like at home quarantining, go to Together at Home, and then if you just need an ultimate pick-me-up anthem that is super high energy, go to Infinity. And I love what they did with the single where they combined two songs, Infinity and Monster, and the music video was that mashup of songs. A very shiny move. The band Shiny did that before too, and that's a very cool route that SM Entertainment takes when they decide, you know what, these songs are both too good, let's promote them at the same time by mashing them up and making the music video and promo around for both of them at the same time. Next level thinking there. <laughs> Number 14, XOSC with 1 billion views. Because it maintained the EXO uh, catchiness of their songs while still carving out a new place, because this was definitely not just your traditional EXO songs, these sounded very new and different, in the XOSC subunit category. They found a lane for themselves that doesn't stray too far from XO sound, but still is unique, and has their fingerprints all over it, you know? It's classic Chanyeol, it's classic Sehu, you can tell they were really creatively invested in this side project, so I'm happy for them that they got to do that. Number 13, Everglow with negative 77.82x minus 78.29, I don't know, but there you go. That really was a next-level EP from Everglow, which did what they always do where they leave listeners wanting more, but especially that one over all their other albums. So far, just from start to finish, there are zero skips on that album from them, and it just leaves you wanting more. It just I'm so excited for the day they finally release a full-length album. Number 12, Ace, HJZM, The Butterfly Fantasy. That's album starts with the climax. It doesn't even bother with exposition. It starts just loud and in your face and commands your attention. It starts off with the high energy stuff and keeps the energy going the whole time. It does have a ballad stand by you, but for the most part, it keeps the energy up and it was just what I needed when it came out. It was just came at the perfect time. I feel like it's just a great pick-me-up EP from them that further showed that they, they they will command your attention. Their presence through their vocal delivery and their stage presence and everything. Keep your eyes on Ace for sure. I see big, big things for that K-pop group going forward. Number 11, Woods with Equal. As a soloist, that was his first big 
solo project, first big solo EP, and for that it was already quite impressive how much he's created this unique sound for himself, which has this cool mix of playfulness and goofiness running through it, while also conveying raw emotion in a very unique blend. So sounds like Accident and Noid, those are so catchy and just fun and snarky, but at the same time they are deep and emotional on other levels too. Number 10, Luna for hashtag. That is just classic Luna. It is just such fun bops. It's just full of such bops. Ding Ding Dawn is definitely my favorite. It is just so catchy and fun, and it is just classic Luna. Well done from them. There's nothing more I have to add about that. Number 9, August D, D2, his follow-up to August D, which really showed that he just built on and improved from the first mixtape, which I didn't think was possible, but he did. Number eight, Monster X, Fantasia X. That album mixes all sorts of vibes, but they remain classic Monster X in their formula. I don't know how they do it, but every album of theirs remains so classically Monster X, throwing in all sorts of funny ad-libs and sound effects that mix together in combinations that shouldn't work but always manage to. The standout track for sure on that is Flow. That really taps into what Juhani has been thinking about and expressing this year, just emotionally about how this is a year where we're learning to go with the flow and that didn't seem possible before. That is definitely a standout track for the whole year, not just for Monsta X, but for K-pop in general. It is, again, what Monster X does so well, where they combine sound effects that shouldn't work together, but do like the sound of a pond, ripple, or some other source of water, and that sound of literally going with a flow is mixed with other sound effects. It's a whole parade of sounds, but it works somehow. Number seven, Stray Kids Within Life, which was Go Live repackaged with new songs added. Go Live was a fun play on words thing. We've talked about that before. Here to Stay is the name of the episode I would check out for this album, Deep Dive. For now, I will just highlight how Stray Kids continues to, like I said before, bring the energy. And at the same time, though, they do tackle more serious subject matter, dealing with a lot of angst and anger and other intense emotions. But at the end of the day, it's just overall listening to Stray Kids is like an, a therapeutic outlet because they they let it all out for you. Perfect music for playing when you're punching a punching bag or when you're just crying or whatever. But it's a great venting, excuse for venting. They give a, give a musical soundtrack to your emotional uh, relief. It's like an outlet in a way. I also really had a lot of theories that came out of the music videos that came with this era, and I always appreciate getting to theorize over content that definitely raises my review of an artist's work if they give me something to theorize over with multiple meanings in their videos. Number six, Taman, Never Gonna Dance Again, both acts one and two I said tied. Taman once described his music as providing a unique sense of catharsis, and I still think that's the perfect way to describe his discography, unique sense of catharsis because he has such a unique uh, vocal range and such unique power behind the emotion in his voice, in his videos. So it shouldn't be a therapeutic source of music, but it somehow is still. It just sonically is just so well made. And it, it there's not much else I could say. It can leave me speechless sometimes. 
and he he's back at it again, this time really embracing this alter ego tame in that again lets me over theorize about every detail of the release and the storyline within it. And so this was definitely no exception, and I really enjoyed my deep dive of that. That episode, I believe, is called Taman's Latest Act, if you want more on that album, and the the evil side of Taman that is a key character now at this point in his storyline. Number five, Kai with Kai, his first solo EP. Every song flows into the next one so well. They don't sound the same, it's just because somehow it works with his voice and with the overall vibe. It's just a very cohesive project that I appreciate, and it has zero skips, which makes it even smoother transitioning from song to song. And it helps that he added the visual of the short film that teased each song and gave a preview of each before they were even officially released. Number four, Juhani with his mixtape Psyche. Layered meanings, especially if you are a Mon Baby and you've been following his openness in his journey this year, how he's gone on hiatus before because of anxiety, and he's been pretty open about that in ways that some K-pop stars aren't or are encouraged to not open up about. It's viewed as a taboo thing or a weakness, but he doesn't care, and he still manages to still show his confident side on stage, entering beast mode, as he says sometimes. Still okay with being vulnerable in the spotlight, too, which I just think that has a positive ripple effect on the industry. Big props to him. I have massive respect for him. Ian is an artist as well. This whole mixtape shows his confident side and more vulnerable moments. It's just very emotional. He really, the just the ability to convey such deep, uh, impactful messages, I really respect in an artist. And I talk about that more in my review on the site. Number three, BTS Map of the Soul 7. A classic mix of BTS sounds and messages because they continue to be so creatively, personally invested in their work, and it always shows. It always meets the moment because it's always honest. It's never just this manufactured thing where they got a bunch of songs from a songwriter somewhere and they decided to sing them and release them. It's always BTS is very hands-on, they've clearly left their mark on whatever they're releasing into the world, and they release it when they feel like it's time. And so it always feels like it emotionally resonates with the audience because they are in tune with the audience because they are the audience. They are one of us, and so it's a feedback loop that's really interesting between fans and them. The standout track on that album, I would have to say, is Inner Child because it's a cool departure from V's solo track on a previous release, Singularity, because that was definitely a neo-soul sound, and it was one speed only, and it was not boring, but it was a lot more predictable. And then this song really builds and feels a lot more anthemic and, and energetic, which was a cool departure from him that still was classically V. Number two, a tie between Hangare and Semicolon, both of Seventeen's album releases from the year. I did a whole breakdown about these in an earlier episode as well. So I will just reiterate for now the overall message of both of these releases, which was that these albums are meant to just be fun and meet the moment in that way, and that Seventeen has talked about in their press rounds for these albums the that as they get older as artists, they've reflected more and more on why they're releasing music into the world and what purposes they hope it serves, and that has carried more and more meaning as they've gotten older. They want to just release not just music just because they like it, but for some deeper purpose. And so this year's purpose was 
to tell us all to take a break and it's okay not to push yourself too much, which I really appreciate. It's some much needed counter-programming for a society that's constantly pushing you to work, 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 do more, do more, do more, and pressure yourself to be even better. And that's good to an extent to motivate yourself, but I appreciate the refreshing reprieve and the message of, hey, calm down, slow down a little, take a break, which was really added to by the actual album because with Semicolon and Hengare, they were both released, the physical albums you bought came with something, like a DIY kit of sorts to put together the album book, or a little mini sewing kit to make a little hand-sized rug. Just a little stress-relieving activities. I hope stress balls come with the next release. I hope they keep up that theme of giving you a stress reliever with your album order. Anyway, it's a very cool way to enhance the message of the album and market your album in a unique way too. Number one on my list, I'm not going to say now because I, as of recording time, I have not gotten yet the final piece of the puzzle for my official write-up on my favorite album of the year that will be on the site soon. So maybe by the time this episode drops, that will be on the site, but if it's not revealed yet, I don't want to accidentally reveal it yet here. Not super surprising what got number one if you're a long-time listener, but still, I want to kind of try to build some suspense. So you could try to guess what I picked for number one, but I will not reveal it here because as of recording time, I don't have the final piece of the puzzle yet for my write-up about it. So stay tuned for that. After the break, some albums that deserve honorable mentions. Quick PSA while I have your attention. Please, please, please think of those who need love and support the most during this holiday season for their basic needs to be met during this pandemic. Please donate to your local food bank. Please help out however else you can. Provide mutual aid. And there are so many great localized resources, whether you realize it or not. A lot of mutual aid groups have sprung up within the past nine-ish months. And they are always looking for more volunteers. There are a lot of different ways you can help. You don't even have to go out to deliver things directly to people. Maybe you're just packaging things up for them. Maybe you're helping coordinate things via the internet, coordinating requests and distributors and deciding, okay, you are assigned to this person or that person. There are a lot of ways that you can figure out how you can help facilitate those missions and donate time and anything else you can donate. If you can't donate money or resources, time is something that anyone can donate. So just please get involved, especially in your area where you see the communities that are struggling the most. Take some time to figure out which communities would need help the most and go help them this holiday season. Just as I described in the episode where I discussed my honorable mentions for best K-pop music videos of the year, I have to add this disclaimer, please go easy on me if you don't agree with my choices, because there were literally hundreds and hundreds of K-pop albums that came out this year that were contenders, and I finally narrowed down the list, so it was incredibly hard to do that, and then to rank everything, so I have listened to just hundreds and hundreds of K-pop releases this year, and so... To even narrow down the list this much was a big feat, so there was a lot that definitely deserves more of your love and recognition too that won't get discussed, but we only have so much time. So here are my winners, and then I want to have a few side notes about some of them. NCT Dream with Reload, TXT Dream Chapter 3 Eternity, BTS B, AB6, both Vivid and Finally, AT's Action to Answer, Icon I Decide, Monster X Fatal Love, 
Day 6, The Book of Us, The Demon, Itzy, Not Shy, Everglow, Reminisce, Dreamcatcher, Dystopia, Tree of Language, and Dystopia, Lose Myself, Jesse, Nuna, Yon Yon with your ex, You're My XYZ, Eric Nam, The Other Side, Hash Swan, Silence of the REM, and 12 with Kiss. A few notes here. Day 6 is The Book of Us, The Demon is a standout for sure, especially because of the song Love Me or Leave Me. And I love the concept that Juan Pill discussed in an interview when they were promoting this album, talking about how they wanted this contrast to be of day and night. He said, quote, when one person gets closest, then the other person takes a step back. And when my feelings grow, then the other person's feelings lessen. We wanted to make music that brings comfort to people who are stuck in that imbalance. An emotional, emotionally torn relationship that feels uneven in terms of who feels strongly towards the other member. Monster X's Fatal Love gets a shout out because Hyun Wan was... This was his first time actually producing and composing on a Monster X release since their debut in 2015. And he did that for the song Nobody Else, which is actually one of the best B-sides on that album. So congrats to him. Hope he gets more confidence working behind the scenes on their albums going forward. Yon gets a shout out because she's so underrated. Way more people need to know about her songs. I've already talked about several times before her collab with Ash Island that is iconic. But her solo stuff as well is just, it mixes a relatively uh, familiar beat with actual, her vocal delivery still keeps the songs interesting somehow. So it's a mix of like R&B rap style, living in that in-between area between R&B and rap, I guess. But it's catchy, and her latest project is a great example of that. Hash Swan has a very unique vocal delivery. His voice is just so so unique and stand out so he could probably sing the phone book and I would still it would still sound intriguing to me and his latest albums that he released this year are a good example of that especially Silence of the R.E.M. 12 is another underrated artist. His voice is for people who like when auto-tune and a techno feel to a sound is an aesthetic and not just annoying when people use the right amount of auto-tune and tech to actually make it sound better and appealing like the g-dragon of it all definitely a few subtle g-dragon vibes in 12's release it's called kiss and his stage name is spelled t-w-l-v lastly eric nam's the other side was just another great classic eric nam release that has a lot of guitars and it's a little more acoustic than your just down the middle pop song but it is still kind of pop it's catchy enough to be in the pop category anyway and it's just another great release from him it would sound great live can't wait for live shows again someday he had truly one of the best live shows i've been to just in terms of actual just performance and singing live and everything his skill level is just off the charts and i love the music video for paradise that i talked about on the last episode while I have your attention, I might as well give some shout-outs to my favorite Western pop albums of the year, my favorite English-language albums of 2020, because there were many that I loved from the West as well, and so my, why not give them some shout-outs? These I actually did rank, and there are a few that may get a place in there. I'm still debating how much I like them or not compared to their previous releases, like Jane Smith's latest and Tara Jr.'s, and there are probably a lot more. 
And so just, I have to really sit and reflect with them even longer because compared to their previous albums, I'm not a huge fan. Like Jaden Smith compared to Sire, like he could never top that, you know what I mean? So so I've, I've got to debate if those deserve a place in the top 10, but here's what I've decided is the tentative ranking for that. Number 10, Poppy with I Disagree. We will talk about Poppy a lot next year on the show for on how to stand because she's so intriguing. Her, she's the one who kind of went viral for her YouTube presence that is very weird and abnormal and she sounded like she was playing a role in speaking in a robotic way on purpose and she has all these weird one minute long YouTube videos where it's like a an ASMR video meets a, uh, I don't know, meets a weird drama movie. It's It's a whole thing. Anyway, so she lives in like a computer world. It's a weird concept. And we will talk about it later, but she's always intrigued me because no one ever knew how much was an act and how much was her. And now she seems to, now that she's under new management, just has kind of ditched that act. So now, but now you're wondering how much this is another act or how much it's actually her. It's always hard to know what to believe with her, how much is true to her and how much is a persona. But her persona continues to be interesting especially with this latest release called I Disagree because it's very heavy metal. So she went from the most bubblegum pop imaginable to this heavy metal sound. And so some of it has a little too much screaming for my liking, but then there are other songs on the album like Fill the Crown that are really well done. So I have mixed feelings about the album, but overall it's worth checking out. Number nine Eminem with music to be murdered by. He went back to a very old school classic Eminem sound on that album, and it was a it did run a bit long, but at the same time it made for an intriguing horror movie style vibe. So it really sets a mood because it is so long and it's it it takes time to build and it's kind of a, a cinematic project in a way. And yes, I have layers. You may have been surprised to see Eminem on this list, but I actually do love rap. And I've been an Eminem fan for quite a while. I really liked his... Pro I actually like his projects that a lot of people don't. I'm the unpopular opinion person for his music. Like, Revival was great. Kamikaze is a great album. I'm just saying. But this latest release from him came out in January or February. It was early this year. And people seem to have stopped talking about it very quickly, which is disappointing because... It is really, I think it's great. I don't think he's lost his touch at all. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion, but I think it's worth checking out. The coolest song to me from that is probably No Regrets with Don Tolliver, who has a really unique tone to his voice. Number eight, Ava Max, Heaven and Hell. This is her first official solo debut album, so after what felt like a century of getting singles released from her, but not an album, we finally get the album. So it met expectations for sure, and it is just classic pop, which I love sometimes. No need to be experimental sometimes. Good to just appreciate classic pop as well. And I've always loved this song, So Am I, ever since NCT got on a remix of it. Number seven, Dua Lipa, Future Nostalgia. Yes, I'm going to be super basic here because I know everyone put that on their best albums list this year, but for good reason. It matches the song title so perfectly, Future Nostalgia. It is nostalgic. It has these disco vibes mixed with modern day pop catchiness, and it's just classic Dua Lipa. What a pop queen. Number six, Rina Sawayama with Sawayama, especially the deluxe edition that just dropped. Don't forget about to check out the bonus tracks on that. XS, the letter X, letter S, that is the best song for sure. It's And Rina's whole vibe feels a little like 
uh, Britney Spears' Toxic Era Music, which I love so much. But in it, it's also very unique to her, so that comparison only goes so far. But that's just to kind of hopefully intrigue you into checking it out because she's got a really unique thing going for her. And I just really am excited for her future and enjoying her past releases too. I'm just happy to be along for the pop journey of Rena. Number five, Miley Cyrus, Plastic Hearts. There may be a bit of a recency bias at play, but I do think it is really well done and objectively such a high quality project of hers. One of her best yet, I would argue, throughout her whole career. It has iconic collaborations with Billy Idol and Stevie Nicks, Joan Jett. A lot of famous faces worked on this project. Dua Lipa is on there. It is really just cool. It's just a cool album. It is just so good. Miley, I think, is the best when she, her unique voice is used for songs that have this rock vibe to them. And so I will say no more and let Miley sing for herself. Number four, The Weeknd with After Hours, which truly does deserve a Grammy nomination. That is a very interesting cinematic album because it does feel like a project piece that you can just listen to straight through, which I love in an album still. A lot of people listen to singles now because of streaming, but I love the classic album where you just, it's one listen and you listen to the whole thing through and that's what you have to do with After Hours because it's hard to pick out a favorite song from it because each song goes into the next so smoothly. It's like one big song, the whole project, which I love. Number three, Charlie XCX, How I'm Feeling Now. We talked about this a lot on the show before because she has the perfect example of a unique relationship with fans where she is making music with us through Zoom calls that that seat a thousand people, Instagram lives, finding ways for fans to vote online for album covers and single covers and what what song should be the next single. This whole creation process was very fan involved. It was a communal album creation during quarantine, no less, so quite a unique memory she built with fans by making this album and putting everyone's fingerprints on it. And then she sold with proceeds going to charity an art book of fan art in tribute to this album was available on her site, so it was a cool way to help out a cause as well as just contribute your own creativity to her to her whole project, and it really shows that it was manifested as a quarantine album because it runs the gamut from the emotional highs to the emotional lows you experience when living in 2020, which is such a weird emotional year to live in. And she embodied the feelings of this year so well in such a cool techno electropop way that is classic Charlie and is just so well done. Number two, Grimes, Misanthropocene. I love Grimes, so full disclosure, this is not going to be a super objective review of her work, but it is just so impressive to me because it is so atmospheric. It is another vibe, kind of like The weekend here, just in the sense that when you listen to the album, you want to do it straight through, and instead of pulling out one song and calling that just the, the key song to tune into from the album, the whole thing needs to be listened to in one sitting to me because it sets such a unique mood. She's just so good at an atmospheric vibe to her music that feels like it has so much to it. It just feels like heavy music. I don't know a better word to describe it. It's very full sonically. It's I describe it as a roller coaster ride through an industrial park, 
because it is like a roller coaster ride and it's got the industrial sound to it. So really great job again, classic Grimes material. Number one, I don't want to get demonetized, so just to be safe, I'm not going to say the title, but it's a little B-Words album. It's by Palais Royale, my favorite artist, my favorite band outside of K-pop, J-pop, C-pop, my favorite artist who sing only in English, Palais Royale. They are so incredible. They have a very cool rock pop vibe. More rock, but it's a cool mix. It's like Panic at the Disco meets classic Fall Out Boy vibes. It is truly the best album of the year. Hang On To Yourself is the highlight song for sure. It is absolutely everything, and it is a nostalgia trip just because, like I said, their vibe is that classic Fall Out Boy or Panic at the Disco sound, but it's it's still modern. It is just so cool. So, so cool. I really admire them. They're just incredible artists. So they have my favorite album of the year. It has been on loop more than words can say, more than I can imagine. It's a bajillion times I put that album on loop and continue to never get tired of it. Tune in for more of my best of 2020 list on the site, 17karatkpop.weebly.com and on future episodes of the show. Thank you for tuning into this latest development in that series, and I will talk to you all soon.